Okay, today we are at the Police Academy. We're at Eastern Missouri Police Academy, and we're talking to Dr. Tom Leeser, who runs the show around here. Say hi to Tom. <laughs> and we've got Brian with us, too. We're trying to make this as easy as possible. Again, we're not like these famous professional podcasters, but we do have questions, and we have things that we want to put out to you guys so you kind of know a little bit more of what's actually going on around us. Um, one of the questions that we're getting a lot from people is, what does it look like in the recruit side? How are we doing as far as new recruits coming in that want to work this job? And um, I obviously cannot answer that question. We can give you insight to how it was when Brian started 10 years ago and could not find a job because there were so many candidates and people applying for these jobs. Um, that he, How many people do you think when you went first in to apply? What was the first place you applied at? Oh, I applied at probably seven to eight different departments. And I would say usually for one or two spots, there was anywhere from 60 to 120 applicants. Um, they would, there were so many, they would break it down into days. And then you would move on from there. You were actually at Webster testing when I was giving birth to Hudson. Like I was in the hospital having a baby and we did not want you to miss your testing yes. spot from Webster Grove. So you had to like finish your test yes. and come and to the Webster, hospital. And Webster was another two day, uh, two day um, process. And I think in my process, day one, there was, I think there was 75 to 80 of us in one big room. And that was just the first day. So it was, uh, it was absolutely just crazy back then. Probably for one spot. Yes, they, were, they, they had one spot and they said possibly another. So you're like, oh, thank God. And then, so that was, that was how, like, how long ago, realistically? That, that was, was Webster, Hudson When I six. went to Webster, that so was... So it had to be six years ago. 15, I think right around 15, but it was the same when I went. It was even worse, I think, when I went to St. John, which uh, around 2009, after I graduated the academy, um, from 2009 all the way up, it was like that. I remember county, St. Charles County would have, they would have weeks of testing, and they would, they'd have so many, they would just build lists and then take the top guys off these lists. And then if you didn't get it, they'd redo processing uh, or testing, you know, for the next, it only lasted, what, a year? Is that right? Yeah, you know, that was about a year or so. Year. But I mean, it was, <clears throat> I'd had guys come out in St. John or wherever and work cases with from County. And I'm like, how is it out there, man? You know, I, I wouldn't mind going out there, take home cards close to my house. And they're like, oh my God, dude, there's 300, 400 spot, or applicants for a spot. Like, it's just crazy. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to stay here. And that was yeah. six years ago. So yes, walk us through the was... process of when you want to become a police officer. So maybe this is probably better for you. You guys can kind of switch it. Because how long have you been a policeman? How long uh, have you been? This is my 32nd year. 32 give them, years. Give them a breakdown. Yeah, let's like hear about where you. Where you started and then where you came from. Oh, wow. I started in uh, the fall of 1994 Sullivan Police Department. And I uh, worked at Sullivan for about six years, 94. I guess. That's when you went through the academy? Uh, no, That's 91 is when I went okay. to the academy. God, that feels so off I think I was in elementary school. very old right What's now. What's that? <laughs> I was in elementary school. I know you guys make me feel old. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to keep trying. You yeah. feel really old. Tom does not look old, everybody, uh, in case you're wondering. He does not look old. <laughs> so then from there, I went to the uh, Franklin County Sheriff's Office, and, um, and I stayed there until I retired in January of 2015 to come here as the director of the academy. And you changed the game around here. Like, honestly, we, if you talk to anybody in St. Louis about Tom Leeser and you say that name, you are going to be like mega impressed at what you hear. The reputation is unbelievably Tom is, well. Tom is a uh, instructor. Uh, Tom is an instructor. You're an instructor at Linda Wood, correct? 
Yes, I'm a, and that's kind of how my interest started towards the ac- the academic side of police. Uh, I had gone back to college um, when I was a sergeant with Frank County Sheriff's Office and uh, pursued my bachelor's, finished my bachelor's, and then uh, was encouraged by um, staff at Lindenwood University to go on and get my master's, which I did, and then uh, graduated with my master's in the summer of 2010. And then they called me in the fall of 2010, when I was ready to start teaching at Lindenwood University. And um, I've been teaching in the graduate program, and now I also teach uh, policing on the undergrad side. Um, but I've been with Lindenwood for uh, 11 years now, I guess. And um, I write a lot of their curriculum. Uh, and then I'm fortunate enough to be able to, to teach still on the graduate side and then uh, undergrad as well. So that's, that's so crazy. Awesome. That's, and that's a great thing now to, to be able to offer to uh, the guys coming through here at Eastern. You know, it was one of those things as, uh, in my, you know, as a cop, I mean, you can see it too, Brian, how, you know, any, anything that ever seems to hit the news, it comes back to training. Mm-hmm. You know, anything negative towards police or any types of criticism, it comes back to the training of police or so being trained properly. And, you know, I, I just had a passion for the education side of policing. And to be honest, as I had progressed through teaching at the university, I thought, you know, my dream job would be a police academy director. Wow. So mm-hmm. I had, um, that was my dream job, but I knew, I mean, there were few and far between, you know, yeah. around, yeah. Yeah. you know, the area. And, and uh, but I decided I had started on my doctorate, was finishing my first semester of my doctorate, um, which is in higher education and uh, at Maryville University. And this academy opened up. I threw my name in the hat, and I've been here since. So that is so um, cool. And then we met you at the gym. We were working out. Remember how buff we used to? We were in the gym yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> when, we, when we had free time. Yeah, was, when Brian was a cop, we had a few days off every other week. Now working for ourselves, what's a day off? I've never. I don't get so, it. So um, also, Tom, the with with all your educational background, the it has changed, um, and I know you've you're involved in this every day, and I've been out for a few years now. So, but I know when I went through. Um, with very military style training. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was a lot of training, of course, on, on hand-to-hand kind of stuff and your weapons and all that, which you have to learn. But now I think, is there more of an emphasis on what you're trying to get these guys to understand is... is uh, it's more structured. Like it's, what it's did- not structured. Uh, it's not what I'm looking for. Um, but it's, it's knowing what you were saying earlier um, with the... I'm blanking. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm blanking. We, we changed that approach. Of course, you know, to appreciate that, I was coming in shortly after Ferguson. And through Ferguson, there was a lot of discussion about the militarization of police. And and obviously, you know, the, the public was who we remind our cops, our recruits now, uh, you know, that, that's ultimately who we work for is the public. And so with that in mind, you know, the public didn't like the militarized appearance. Um, part of that comes back on us as police for not explaining why we were using the equipment that we were. A lot of it was free. Uh, some of it was not military. It was police versions of things, such as vehicles, so on and so forth. But, but through that, we learned that you know we, we got to change, change some things. Um, and so one of the first things we did, uh, my executive board uh, agreed, we changed the uniform of our recruits. And um, we make their uniform very practical to what they're going to wear on a daily basis and how they maintain that. So when they leave us and they go to a department, they shouldn't have to be coached by their field trainer on how to polish their boots. Um, so we, we softened that. Uh, 
we still have a very firm structure, but they don't square corners. Some of you that are mm-hmm. here, they can yep. appreciate that. We don't square corners. I got tired of asking to have the carpet replaced in certain <laughs> areas. Uh, and, and be quite honest, you know, when you leave the academy, when are you going to square a corner again? Right. Never. Never so did it. Nope. What, what we try to do and everything that we do here uh, starting in about 2015 going forward is that everything we do has a purpose. And that purpose for us is to prepare them not just to get a job as a police officer, but to withstand a career as a police officer. So uh, our emphasis is, you know, more academic. Don't get me wrong, their structure. And our recruits get about 1,030 hours. Um, we market it as 1,000 hours, but it always runs over. Um, and it's about half and half, half classroom, half practical application. And so um, we meet that criteria post, which is only 600 hours. But we, we place a strong emphasis on not just getting on the street, but how to survive. And, and that's at home, mentally, physically, uh, for a career. That's so cool because it really did. It used to be just kind of that in train, that militant style, and then go get a job and you're out of here. And now there's, I think we've talked to Tom, even when we sat down with Dr. Leeser today, we talked a lot about some of the classes that they have that they're training on that things that even Brian, who was a cop for 10 years, did not ever think, I'm sure you never really even thought much of as far as what they're dealing with now with media, um, with the report writing, just things like that. Um, That's all so, it's so cool to see that there is such a positive turn and change just upon entry. But the problem I think that we're hearing most of is the lack of police in the, in the exodus. We're seeing this mass exodus of officers leaving due to obviously the rough uh, times that we're facing right now. And Tom had talked to, I I always call him Tom. We're good friends also, Dr. Lisa. I'm so sorry. I hate like being on here is totally different than. I'm a cop first. (laughs) Anything else. We hang hang out a lot off the record. Um, But, you know, he had talked to me before when I asked him to jump on here with us about just the own, his own personal struggles with how things and how he can't help but to kind of even feel like some of that, you know, could that be me? And, And we talked about it's not. It's just this climate that we're in right now and the shift change of it all. And I think it's something that, that the public needs to know. And then also those of you that are police families on here listening that you guys need to know because it's not any of you. It's just the climate right now. Yeah, I mean, this is a, it's a really tough climate. It's, it's tough for those that are coming into this profession, the few and far between that tend to be right now. Um, it's tough for those that are still in the profession. And, you know, when you look at it from our perspective, we had built you know, the academy made a lot of positive changes and we're going from classes of, you know, the mid twenties, almost to 30, um, to now, you know, this, it came to a, a screeching halt. You know, we started to see the downturn, uh, in the 2021 and by the end of 2021, it was, it had, we graduated 50% less recruits in 2021 than we did in 2022. And do you think that is strictly just what's happening in the world right now? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think it does. Uh, you know, I, I did an interview a couple weeks ago and I expressed, I think there's a, there are a lot of dynamics there. Uh, part of it, I think, is, is the media attention on police. Um, and I think in the political environment that we're in today, the police tend to be the bad guys, you could say the bad guy, yeah. you know, <laughs> you could say for it, a lot of yeah. the things that go on that really isn't police. Now, don't get me wrong, there are those cops out there that and make us all look bad, but I, I, I will always say that nobody hates a bad cop 
worse than a good cop. Yeah, right? true. And that, that is predominantly the vast majority of our profession are, are great cops that put it on the line every day. And you don't see what they do every day because it doesn't draw high viewership. Right. No, but or one, they uh, do, and then they cancel it because they, they, they the other side doesn't well, want you one, to see one that. Bad op- one bad officer, that's what everybody's going to focus on. That's all Absolutely. the media is going to focus on. Right. So. And, and it's no different. I mean, you know, when you look at any other professions around the world, you know, whether it be, you know, ministers, teachers, doctors, I mean, they're, I mean, there's bad the, people the thing is, is that you're dealing with humans, yep. that right. human factor. And when you deal with that human factor, not everybody is going to be 100% perfect all the time. Right. right. And don't right. get me wrong. I, I think there, there must be consequences. There must be accountability of our police officers through and through. But at the same time, you know, we got to put that in perspective that that is not the vast majority of our profession. The yep. vast majority put their lives on the line, serve the public all day, every day, with no recognition at all. And they're phenomenal people. And this is why somebody like me comes in and I just get so passionate about this stuff because I work with these families every single day. My, basically my entire, I can pretty much say almost 100% of my clientele at this point is a police officer or a police family. Um, and these are moms and dads, brothers, sisters, um, husbands, wives, sons, daughters. These, that's what they are first. They put a uniform on because that's their career, their passion too. They have. They don't do it for the money. I think we all know that. Um, and it, it's never been about that. And when you sit with them in a different environment where they are not wearing that uniform, you get to see the person that they are, not what they do. And you, as me, my job, I mean, I'm just in real estate. I'm selling them houses and we're, you know, we are making big moves together with that relationship. But it's interesting to see the difference in someone in, an, in a uniform and out of a uniform. They're, they're really wonderful people and they have feelings and emotions and they do hurt and they do feel. And I think that's something that I'm trying to bring to light so more people can see that when we talk about these issues. Because the dark side of this is social media has taken off into a very, very uh, pretty horrific place in my opinion we all need it we all love it for the purposes that it serves us well in certain times but it's it's a it's a dark place for professions like this because the minute you know somebody says that they're going to be a police officer or they want to go to the academy i'm sure immediately they're hearing even from people that love them that would love to see them do this oh my gosh don't do that right now the timing is so bad why would you want to get into that you know and they probably have a deeper down passion when you're want when you want to be a cop like you have to want to be a cop. So there's something in them if they're still pushing through in a climate like this to come here and then people talking out of, talking them out of it. You know, I think that's part of it too. Oh, absolutely. And and, and part of it is family and they do it for the right reasons. You know, they're they're concerned about the well-being of their officer and they don't want to see that target put on that officer's back. But I think times have changed too in the sense that, you know, it's not cops and robbers anymore. Mm, You know, know we all played Mm. cops and robbers as kids and and even early in my career, it, it was cops and, you know, catch mm-hmm. bad guys. And, and that's how it was. And, and, it, and obviously, there, you know, most bad guys would never go to a police officer's house. But in today's environment of social media, you know, young police officers and, and current cops have that fear for repercussions coming back on their family. It's not families off limits these days like it used to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, their whole family will, you know, if, if they... If they arrest someone, whether it be high profile or whatever it might be that draws media attention, especially social media, the next thing you know, their whole family is getting drunk. Yeah, they're putting your address out there. They're doing... I had that happen when you were a cop. You had... I was cutting hair back when Brian was first a police officer and we had a young... I was pregnant with Grayson, my first, who's nine now. And I I had a a guy come in and sit down in my chair. It was just kind of a walk-in type situation. I was managing the the place at the time. And he sat down and he saw a picture of Brian and I on my 
on my station and he said, oh, that's your husband. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm visibly pregnant at this point. I think I'm like eight months pregnant. And he's, and which again, you know, you're stressed out and emotional and terrified enough. And he, and he said, oh, he arrested me. And I, and I stopped. I was the only one there at the time, pregnant, freaking out. Oh, he arrested me. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I hope he treated you nicely. Mm, right. <laughs> you know, and it was the scariest, even though I didn't know anything about this person. I think it was, he, I said, oh my gosh, I sure hope he was good to you. You know, do you need me to go home? And I tried to make it like funny or, you know, whatever. But the whole time I just was mortified, you know, right, that right. this person recognized my husband and I was pregnant with our first baby alone by myself. And I'm thinking, okay, what did you do? Who are you? Am I okay? Am I safe? And sure. that's something that is, becoming more and more of an more issue so too. Yeah. yeah, because you can find somebody on Facebook in no time, plaster their picture all over and, yeah. and bam, you know, so. And you feel as an officer now, no matter what you do, even if it is justified and, and everything is correct, you're still yeah. going to be, you know, prosecuted or somehow. And they're still gonna find out who you are. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, persecuted, you go with that. But it's, it's like a lose-lose. I think that's how a lot of officers feel, because no matter what you do. So what is, in your opinion, we've kind of talked about what we all feel like might be a lot of these issues. So what's the, what's the solution? I think first, there's two questions. First and foremost, when you started here, police recruits, how many? Mm -hmm. How many in a class? What were you dealing with? What was it looking like then? Graduation sizes to now. I think that's the number one thing. Like, What's the actual from then to now as far as who's coming in here? And then two, what um, have you guys thought about solutions or, or things that we can help sure. encourage those officers with that passion to still move forward? You know, we, uh, when I first got here, we, uh, we had built to into 2018, 2019, we would see in the mid 20s to high 20s for each class that would come through. Uh, completion rate was about 97, 98%. But the success rate of those that would graduate, it was even then was almost 100%. Wow. You would still have longer lists. Um, and we would tell our recruits, you know, two to three months in, start applying. Don't apply to too many places at once because you start processes, mm -hmm. then you miss hours. Um, fast forward it to where we are today. Uh, you know, I have a part-time class and two full-time classes going, and we're at the size of one class. That is so scary, everybody. We, <laughs> that is you know, so our, scary. Our board has continued uh, has agreed to continue to put through even the lower numbers that we can because they need cops. Yes, right. desperately. You, you know, uh, there's an 86% shortage. 86% uh, of agencies across the country are reporting a shortage of cops. And typically there's, you know, at any given time over the last several years, there's been about 700,000 uniformed cops across our country. And it's expected now to be about 550,000. So if that gives you any ideas Whoa, of the shortage, that's crazy. you know, it's pretty crazy. Um, Can't blame them though. I, I, I mean, it's hard. It's hard right now. So are most Talk of about... these guys hired before they even graduate? Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Wow. We don't have, I haven't. But <laughs> wow. it's, it's been that way for, for several years, even before okay. the amount of recruits coming in had been depleted. I think, I think a lot of that and it comes back to our instructors. Yeah, he won't say it because he's really it humble. And it's... Our, <laughs> Staff that makes sure yes. I think they're right. they're very well trained. You know, our the quality are here CIT is. certified when they leave. They're patrol rifle trained when they leave. Um, we we're always looking for for change to make them better based on the feedback we get right. when they hit the agencies. But you know, when when you're having agencies uh, and, and academies across your country that are closing their doors because they can't operate. You know, most places you go, you're not going to make it all your revenues on. Um, continued education, which you need those academies there to assist with continuing education. 
um, you're seeing academies, um, you know, around the country. I, I'm supposed to do a conference call with a, someone in the morning from another state who's asking for advice and input because they're talking about shutting down an academy. And, um, and it's in and, a big place. It's in a big it is city a big, it is and a, big city a, and a very important area. place. And it's, yep. and it's unfortunate that that's where we are, uh, you know. So for us, you know, we're a non-for-profit. Um, and the academy, while we've operated for 40, going on 43 years now, the Eastern Missouri Academies, Eastern Missouri Police Academy has been here for that long. Um, we are really going to flex those nonprofit muscles <laughs> going into 2022. 20, um, we have established a, an advisory committee for fundraising. And, um, you know, folks out there are going to see a couple of fundraising projects coming. Uh, for example, I think um, we're working on a uh, dinner auction dance for September. The date's not nailed down yet. But we're, we're doing things like that outside our normal box to be able to supplant um, our revenues based upon the lack of those interested in becoming police officers today. Right. And then with that money, we can do what will you do like scholarships or what type of what type of we with those funds it'll it will basically enable us to supplant operations. Okay. So keep the instructors coming keeps, in. Keeps and everything, and everything moving. You, um, you know, fortunately we've had many good years. So we've invested, you know, our board has invested wisely and so we draw revenues from that, which is you know, Deeds Missouri Police County is, is not anywhere close to shutting their doors, so I don't want that to come across. But um, we are trying to prepare for what happens if this goes beyond one year, two year, three years in, in the environment that we're in. Prepare for the worst. Prepare for, for the, the worst, worst. Right. exactly. So we're trying to prepare um, because we offer a, a level of uh, continued education to cops from across this region and to be honest, across the country. And there's classes we've had where we've drawn from Canada. Um, so to maintain that side of it, we've got to supplant that, um, you know, those lack of revenues based on recruits that come through. And there is a demand. You you asked about uh, jobs. We you know my senior class doesn't graduate till April. All but three of them have jobs, and those three are wrapping up processes. And it, and when I say processes, they waited. Uh, we're waiting for a process and where they wanted to go. They were right. agency specific. It wasn't, I'm just going to throw my application out. Which is how it used to be. Which is how you used to go where you had to go. Right. So these matter. couple were patiently waiting for those to open up. I will also tell you, I have a class, uh, my freshman class that doesn't graduate till July. Uh, that class started with 16. Um, and they're down to 11. And all but five right now have jobs. Wow, that's crazy. There's such a difference. So, big yeah. difference, and and they'll get jobs. There's no doubt. And what about just for people that aren't aware or might have, you know, this is maybe could be an option for them. The average like starting pay right now for these recruits. <laughs> it's a lot different than what it was when mm -hmm. I started. Uh -oh. Ten dollars and twenty five cents an hour. That was my. Uh, oh, I was even. I think that I was, was my there. dad. He was. He was. I remember him. I was right him. around 40, 38 to 40. And that was with a degree. That was, that was a bonus because of my bachelor's degree. You know, in this region, you're going to see, uh, ideally, uh, from the high forties, low fifties on your lower out, you know, lower, um, Small wages area. coming in. Mm -hmm. Sure. But in St. Charles County, I mean, you're going to, you know, you're going to see agencies that are hiring at high fifties into the mid sixties. Right. And then their top out is incredible. You know, you got some agencies that are, their officers going to top out at $90,000 right. as a slick sleeve patrolman in five years. 
which is yeah, yeah that's much great. better. That's amazing. That's, that's what great. it should be. It they should, should be, be right? yep. Oh, and, for sure. um, you know, I, I think it's incredible that the police are being paid more, but that tells you it's not about the money. Right. right. It's not about the money. Um, we don't have recruits that come here and say, I can't come here because I can't afford it because we have revenue sources mm -hmm. such as yourselves. You know, when you, you know, you contribute for your scholarships. I mean, when we get a recruit that needs the funds. You're going to find them. We, we make it happen. And right? you come we to St. Michael's Army for that too. Um, I mean, if you ever need, yeah. <laughs> that's part of what we're going to do is try to fund some of sure. your, it's cool. Cause five, I didn't know this when I started my R, sorry, R. I'm, so used mm -hmm. to, I'm just used to you being a contractor flipping houses. Mm -hmm. Um, when we started this, I had no idea that. Um, 501c3s can go to other ones, or did I say that right? Yeah, 501 c <laughs> Then can go to other ones, and there are specific grants that other other charities can give to charities to give to charities. And it's really kind of a cool, complex system, but that's something that we're going to plan on doing is working with the academy. We want to help encourage some of these people that are on the fence about signing on the dotted line to still consider this career with that burning passion. We want to help encourage that. We want to figure out ways to help get them through these doors. And if the financials are there, like Tom just said, we'll help you. So if you're somebody who needs help that is looking for that, what does it cost to come into the academy? Right now it's $5,800. Okay. Come to the academy. Six months long. Which is a pretty good return on investment if you compare that to academic hours. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and, and, that's, and that's one other thing I want to note, too, is that our, our graduates from here, for example, they'll get uh, Lindenwood University, if they don't have a bachelor's, we'll give them 27 college hours towards their bachelor's degree. Wow. Um, and, and in today's times, most of your progressive agencies are either doing tuition assistance or reimbursement. Mm -hmm. wow. So if you don't have a bachelor's when you leave here, there's really no reason for you not to get one and start right. working on a backup plan should right. something happen, you know, worst right. case scenario. But what about uh, coming through the academy? Do you have, what do you think is the percent of uh, cadets that start getting paid by a department while they're still going through? Or is that really? Oh, that happens. happens. Yes. Okay. In fact, we have it. That happens a lot. Okay. Uh, a lot. We have a lot of agencies in this region that when they hire them or put them on contract, mm -hmm. they start paying them. Right. Um, and so for my seniors right now, I would say probably about 40% are probably being paid. Oh, that's awesome. There. Good. Um, some agencies will reimburse them for their academy funds, you know, right. their, their costs. Um, so you, you see a variety of things. Right. Uh, you have some agencies that may not necessarily be able to pay as well, but they'll sponsor officers through right. and haven't signed a contract to work for them for three years, uh, two or three years. Right. But uh, you, you see a variety. But a right. lot of them, once they get signed, they start drawing a paycheck while they're sitting here. Which is awesome. I, you know, one of the things, I mean, I, I think one of the most important things to point out, you know, if there's anyone that's on that fence of, man, I want to be a police officer or not, first of all, it's not for everybody. You know that. Correct. It's not. Um, which you, you can see through some of our attrition. Um, but, you know, I think what those that are on the fence or concerned being a police officer have to consider is that what you see necessarily in the media is not the vast majority of opinion from citizens around the country. Um, you know, you can follow the Facebook pages of departments all over this region and every day someone's dropping something off for their officers. Um, yes. Or they'll go out to eat lunch and somebody will pay for their meal. So, you know, and, and our, our facility is a prime example of that. You know, our facility um, when we built this out three years ago, uh, this it, it only cost the academy sixty thousand dollars for this because our general contractor was free. Oh, they wow. contributed all of that. And uh, everybody that could see this building—it's gorgeous, uh, very cool. So, and, and there were other donors that made this happen, and we we point that out to recruits, and we tell them, look, this mm -hmm. is this is the example here and alone of 
how much society and the public does recognize and appreciate police officers. Um, I will still say it's one of the most rewarding professions in the world. Um, you know, are, are you going to have tough days? Absolutely. But that's but overall, any career, right? It's any it's career. career. Any career. I, you know, I, there's days I miss it substantially. There's never a day that goes by that I don't miss it, um, which was a transition for me especially. Um, but, I, you know, I just had to recognize that, you know, I have a, a different skill set than a lot and, and can apply it to, you know, to still see the progression of our, our profession as to where, it, you know, where we're going. So. You help a lot of people. You help a lot of people. You are known for helping a lot of people. So you I just are enjoy st- what we do. You know, and, you are wonderful. Uh, yeah. Like it's unreal, guys, what he does for for people and for what he does for these departments. He is literally overseeing the finest group of individuals who put these cops on the street that are wonderful human beings. Like they are coaching them on you guys would be shocked and if you ever have questions i encourage you to call and ask them because he will talk to you and tell you what all they're doing and it's completely i'm mind blown it's so many things that you have said to me that you guys are doing here that i would have never thought about yeah more more recently one as an example you know we're dealing with millennials uh predominantly and i am one so i can uh, laugh at that their conversations (laughs) are because I know how you and I have yep. communicated before, it's by text. And, um, and, and Not so me, one, no. one of the deficiencies that we, we see in them coming in is that they struggle with talking to people. And Brian, you know from our profession, if you can't talk to people, yep. you're going to have problems. Yep, make your job a lot harder. You're going to get your head knocked off. Yep. Um, or you know, you're going to get yourself in more situations badly than what would have turned out positive. Yep. So one of the things that was identified with feedback from our instructors. So I can't, I'm not, I am not going to take credit for any of this. You know, one of my instructors says, Hey, have we ever thought about putting them through a public speaking class? I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. So we take our uh, two hour block and put our recruits through a public speaking class, usually in their first week to two weeks here. And so they have to speak about silly subjects in an impromptu fashion which out on the street, you may have to buy time mm-hmm. through conversation about something until your backup gets there. Correct. And so we force that on them. And then when we see a deficiency um, among one, it's not uncommon for them to have to present impromptu in their classroom among their peers or staff or both classes that are here several times over the next couple of days. And then they're also made to develop a presentation to present to whoever we can fit into that classroom at that time. And they have to talk to people. Cool. Did you do that when you went through? No. See? It's a, it's a very good idea. I mean, this, there's so much that if you, and again, I love this conversation because if you're thinking about doing this, it is probably very different than what you've got built up in your head. And like Tom was saying, the, the, the silent majority is massive. I mean, even, and that's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this podcast because we want to encourage any of you who are listening, whether you're a police officer, police officer's family, what, whoever you are, whether you're just general public or you're just a citizen who supports police, we need you to start talking. We have to get that support back. And this is a leg to do that with. And that's why I thought the podcast was so important because if you hear us and you hear this stuff, you might go tell 10 people that hey, it's okay to support Thin Blue Line and it's okay to wear our shirts and put our bumper stickers on and take them food and talk to everybody around us that the police are the good guys. We need to build that back. It was here before. We had it. Once upon a time, we had it. I mean, when you started as a police officer, when we would go to Schnooks in your uniform, I was so proud. I'm like, ooh, my husband's hot. Look at him in this uniform. Like, I was just loving it. People thanked you. It was wonderful. That was only 10 years ago. Now, 
actually when he left and that was, you've been gone now four years. I was like, change your uniform before you even get in your car. <laughs> like mm. do not even get in your car and your uniform. Yeah. We tell our recruits to wear uniforms when you leave here. Like yeah. when did, what uh, if, happened? If you stop, we don't want you obligated. Of course your uniforms look much like a police officer's uniform, but right. we don't want them when, yes. in some place and putting in a bad situation. And that's and sad. They're not, they're and they're not carrying a firearm or anything like that. Do you that know what well. happened? I'll tell you what happened. I just asked what happened. I can tell you what happened. The, the louder side got louder and scared the other yes. side into being mm-hmm. quiet. And we have to stop that. We have got to get loud again. We the have to show it. minority right now yes. is taking over. We've got to get our police and the people that want to do this job. We have to give them support because if we don't start verbally speaking up and showing it because we're fearful of something, we're scared of, 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 of somebody yelling at us or telling us we're wrong or, you know, getting into some argument over it. Then we're losing. We're losing our. You know cops. what's more fearful than than being scared of uh, getting in trouble or getting yelled at is not having enough police officers yeah. on the street. Somebody breaking in your house at night. You want to see something 20 terrifying? Minute, Twenty minutes to wait that. to somebody. Well, yeah. when you have agencies in this region that are, I mean, they're struggling. Yep. Uh, yes. To to hire people, uh, I got a, I got a text yesterday from an agency on uh, South County side of St. Louis asking if we had recruits. They have a couple openings and. Uh, Right now, we we don't. I, that's that's a an example of almost a daily thing for oh, my yeah. staff or me. Is, wow. I mean, do you have and, and the, these young people that come to the academy? We have recruiters from agencies in here every week, not one day out of the week. Usually, several days out of each week from this entire region, um, and not just the region. We we have recruiters that will come in from. We've had them from Kansas, Overland Park, Kansas comes here often. Um, you know, Kansas City area. So it's cool. So you could have a recruiter here that goes through and actually, if, if you know, you have a lot of younger people here, maybe don't have ties yeah. or have families here, you can take a cop job somewhere else. Yeah. You state. Mm-hmm. I had a recruit um, about a year and a half ago, 22 years old, uh, went to Gulf Shores. That's, That's it. awesome. And you I know, said, if I had to do it, I'm going to the beach. You know, it's, uh, he's like, I'm like, Gulf Shores, that's a great idea. I mean, how, he's like, yeah. I saw a job posting, I didn't. I don't have any ties up here. I mean, I do my family, but I'm a single guy. Why not? So the, the good thing is, is that, you know, I know during Ferguson, it was portrayed that, you know, Missouri had a bunch of hillbilly cops that were uneducated. And yeah. that was far from the case at that time. And Missouri was among the top in the country. But now we are really at the top uh, of, the, of the country for continued education for police officers and, and those coming out of the academy. There's states in our country where you can be a police officer for a year without ever going to the academy. Yeah, that's crazy. That's insane. And so Missouri is Missouri has has a, a good game going and you know, so it enables cops that graduate here, you can go anywhere. That's so cool. Yeah, that's very cool. So So in closing, two things. Number one, first and foremost, where do you see this going? Do you see this getting worse before it gets better? Do you see hope at the end? Do you see what are your personal beliefs or thoughts on where this, how, how will this continue? You know, I, I'm, I'm an optimistic person most of the time. Yes, you are. I'm going to tell you that, you know, I always try to look as the, the cup being half full. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I, I look back through my career. I mean, there, I was a young cop when uh, the incident with Rodney King in L.A. happened. And, and, and that was awe-striking for me as a young police officer mm-hmm. to think that cops would do that to somebody. Right. Um, so that pendulum shifted. I mean, during those riots around the United States, there were a lot of a uh, lot of people were killed. Yeah. Um, and so you saw that pendulum shift, and then 9/11 brought it back. 
you know, very pro-police. And I, because you saw police officers going into buildings that were collapsing. Mm-hmm. And, and we just don't want to get there Knowing again. well like, when they went yeah. there that right. they weren't going to come out. Right. And so I'm optimistic that the silent majority is going to start speaking up in the sense of recognizing that cops do a job that most people can't do. They're going to see and experience things most people could never imagine experiencing. And, and you know, and I, I tell them, you know, uh, when I get to talk to different civic groups, ask yourself the most graphic, horrific horror movie you've ever watched on TV, and it's not even close. Right. Because wow. you don't have the smells, you don't yeah. have the touch, you don't yeah, have the Yeah, and not only once, multiple times. Multiple times. And it could be this. multiple times in a shift. Yes. yes. But yet they go right back and they do their jobs. And so I think once the... You know, once the public is, is like, look, we got to have our cops and we got to, we, we need to appreciate our cops. I think it'll come back around. I think, I think families uh, will start to recognize that this is, you know, a noble profession. It's, it's rewarding. Um, and you, we need them. We have I mean, to have it. We need them. I mean, when people are in trouble, who are you going to call? Yeah. And, and so when you have agencies, you know, that are short, I, I, I saw an article this morning, uh, Cincinnati had 200 police officers turn in their pensions. Wow. Unbelievable. And so it's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Right. So, you know, it, I, I get it. It's tough times, but I, but I still think there are a lot of cops out there that this is what they love. This is what they do. I get to see cops in here. I got cops in here now. Um, this is what they love. It's what they do. They're passionate about it. They're here. We have an instructor class here this week and they're, they're here learning about teaching cops. And so they're passionate about our profession. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, while it's in a tough time, we've seen this, maybe not to this level before, but I also, uh, you know, I'm optimistic in, in our society is good. And that's what we tell cops. The vast majority of our society mm-hmm. is good. Right. We don't always get to deal with that side right. of the society, but that is the vast majority of our society. And so I'm optimistic that that vast majority is going to recognize that mm-hmm. in turn, the vast majority of cops are good and they're going to get behind them and support them. And hopefully organizations like yours will be big. I hope so. I hope we're going to try. We're trying everything we can to get this going back in that direction without having to have another 9-11 or without having to lose civilians or kids or God awful things happening because we don't have police before people start speaking up like, okay, we changed our mind. We got We better get loud. Don't wait guys until it's too late. And, uh, and we don't have anybody left because then we got to start over, train these, train these guys that are, get them back in and get them back on the street. And that's going to take substantial time if we let this keep going. So, um, that was question number one. I think that was a great answer. And then, um, I guess last but not least, what message do you have for anybody who is on the fence or who, who wants to do this? What would you tell them as far as you're having second thoughts or you're, you're struggling? What would be your advice to the the want to be soon be police officer sure. you know you, you have to be 100 percent committed and if you're on the fence you have to soul search that yourself and, you know if you have significant others speak with, with your significant other about it too because this isn't a profession that you leave at the door when you go home um you know so you got to soul search that yourself but but you know if you're interested or you're thinking about it let us know contact us here at the academy um but be committed uh, and, and you're going to want to be in the best physical condition of your life. Um, our recruits, we lose a few each, each mm-hmm. class for what we call protocol day, which is a, a very physical day, but it's, it's a day that we keep there to make sure they have the mindset to never give up. You basically That's, come in, you run for eight hours and throw up. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, as they come through here, they, they learn to recognize the direct correlation to having a healthy body, 
typically can correlate to having a healthy mind. And, yes. And, and then being able to be in, in good enough physical and mental condition to make it home and not give up. Right. And so we keep that there. So, you know, that's my best advice. Soul search yourself. When you get here, come in with an attitude of never giving up. Uh, you don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to be the strongest. You just can't quit. I like it. And, um, and contact us. will help out. And is there any way for somebody that might be interested to come up here and just take a look around? Do you guys sure. do that? Uh, we actually, um, Maggie Voicy is our registration specialist, and she interacts with every single applicant that thinks about coming here. Okay. Whether by email, they can reach out to us on our Facebook page with messages. She emails people back. She calls them back. Um, and and then walks them through the process. Okay. Uh, quite amazing what she's done. She's um, fantastic been here too. For over twenty years, and she's incredible. Awesome. So. And we're going to um, figure out a way. If you guys are on the Facebook pages for St. Michael's Army, or my personal page, or Tom's personal page, or the Eastern Academy's page, we'll post this, share it out, and then we'll put the information for contact on those links. Um, and again, if it's something that is a financial concern, you're worried about the money, you're worried about the funding of it. If it's something that we can help with, call us and let us know. We'll make sure that we're posting the events so that those of you who want to help support the Academy are able to make donations and, and participate in the events that their new committees are going to put together. We'll make sure to release all that information. You guys will see all of that. St. Michael's Army is committed to helping them out in every single way that we possibly can. And um, I think that this was a great chat and I think it's gonna do some really awesome things for those who maybe are considering doing this. And if you're a mom or dad or a husband or a wife who also has questions, reach out. If you guys wanna come in together, I'm sure they would be willing to talk to you guys about your concerns, but don't just sit back. If you've got that passion, I think let's find some answers and get you in here. Absolutely, we're processing right now for our May class, so. Exciting. Uh, prime time. That's awesome. Oh, and then one more thing before you stop. Um, you're starting a new class. So do you have, you have a full-time and a part-time class, correct? We run three full-time classes a year. Okay. And we run one part-time class. And your full-time is six months? Six months long, Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday, and your part-time is? Yeah, it's a year. It takes a year. Okay. Same education. They go four nights a week, every other Saturday. What, what times in the evening? Uh, six to ten. Six to ten, and like Saturday Monday through Thursday? Yes, Monday okay. through Thursday. Okay. For a year. Mm -hmm. For a year. Come. Okay. So then they can work. So you have options. Come. Yeah, right. yeah. They can work, still come. Cool. Yeah. Well, cool. thank you for being on our little You're podcast. Welcome. You are the best, Anytime. guys. Again, it's Dr. Tom Leeser with Eastern Missouri Police Academy. And uh, thanks for listening.